Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I definitely wish more people would talk about what it's like to be left with that mark on you because I'm not only the widow, I'm the widow by suicide. Welcome to the I Did Not Sign Up For This podcast, a weekly show dedicated to highlighting the incredible stories of everyday people. No topic is off limits. Join me as we explore the lives and experiences of guests through thought-provoking, unscripted conversations. I'm your host, Carling, a Canadian, queer-identifying, 30-something-year-old, providing a platform for the stories that need to be heard. Hello, Desiree. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Good. We just off-air discovered that you're so much farther away from me than I thought by a whole day's drive. I'm in the middle of nowhere. That's for sure. Yeah, it really is. It really is really high up there. But it's so nice to meet you. Yeah. Awesome. I would love to jump right in. Can you introduce yourself? Tell me who you are, where you're from, what you do, and then we'll get into your story. My name is Desiree. I am from high level Alberta, so way at the top of Alberta. I work in accounting and it's been interesting. And my story is that I'm a widow of suicide and that's been a really complicated process yeah when did your husband pass away november of 2020 and he's not my legit husband i guess you would say do you prefer partner or i usually use spouse oh yeah there are so many like names now we can give wow so november 2020 and so maybe can you introduce us to your spouse who was he where was he from how'd you meet so his name was Neil. We actually met here through online dating, but it was funny because like we only had one person in common. They never, ever would have thought of us together. So when we started being a couple, they're like, I guess we could introduce you guys, but we just never, ever thought. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, thanks. thanks. We had to go the online dating route. You could have just introduced us. Well, and ironically, he had messaged me pretty much a year prior, but I thought he was somebody else. Like, I thought he was somebody that I knew. And I was like, no, no, I would never date that person. Oh, my God. That's really funny. So it was a little bit of a delayed our love story for sure. And uh, and we met at the dog park in person. And he messaged me just before, like I had said, hey, I'm at the dog park. Do you want to come meet? And he's like, so I have to let you know right now that I have two kids that I have shared custody of. And they're with me. But if you're okay with that, we'll come meet you. I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. So then him and the two kids came and met me and my dog. Wow, that's amazing. And how old were his kids when you met? Three and eight. Oh, they're just little. Yeah, they were just yeah. little. We moved in with each other two weeks later. Did you just know you were like, this is my person? Yeah, we were just like, okay, this seems like thing we originally had no intentions of being like serious or anything like that because i had my house up for sale i was moving back to calgary <laughs> and then yeah two weeks we started living together that's amazing is it because your house sold no it just happened so the weeks we had the kids 
we'd live at his house because he did have a rental. And then the weeks we didn't have the kids, we'd live at my house for the entire week. And so what kind of person was he? What kind of drew you to him and made you fall in love with him? He was a class clown, for sure. He was a millwright. So oh, he was wow. very like tinkery and had to do all of the all the projects and all the things. So he'd send me pictures of what he was doing at work all the time. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And he's like, that's okay. So then he'd sit like he went supper time or whatever and he's explaining his day. It was nothing for him to draw diagrams of what he was doing. I had worked from home for 10 years. And then I, when he met me, I was still working from home. And he's like, you know, so-and-so. And I'm like, no. He's like, do you leave your house? I was like, yeah, I leave my house, but... I stick with the people I know, and that's about it. I didn't even know what our mayor looked like in person or anything oh, wow. like that. How small is high level? I don't even like, know. Ish. Is it like I'll, under 2,000 people? I'll Google it because we have a lot of different, there's lots of surrounding communities. The town serves a trading area, so like with everybody included, about 20,000 people. But the town itself is like 4,000. Okay. Yeah. That's like a, yeah, that's pretty small. We don't have a set of lights. We only have a few stop signs and a few yield signs, especially like working from home and working. My people I worked with were in Rainbow Lake, which is an even tinier town, just east of or west of high level. And so I just never knew people in town. So then he always bring me to like his functions and or his friend's house. And he'd be like, this is my girlfriend. And they'd be like, oh, did you just move here? And I'm like, I grew up here. <laughs> I'm just not social. Yeah, that's fair. But he was the social butterfly. He definitely, it was good that we were both like projecty people. We did all the projects in the yard and all the things. And so we always were busy. And I can't remember if you said, how long ago did you meet him? We met in 2018. Not long, but like you said, fast. Everything was very fast. It yeah, I think sometimes that. when you know, you just know. Oh, like yeah. when it's right, it's just right. And that's why like when I sold my house, I bought a different house and then we just moved everybody into it. Wow. Were you a big part of the kids' lives like pretty much right from the get-go? Yeah, like I put them to bed, did their bath time, did story, taking them to school, everything like that. He was like a all or none there's no in between this is my life if you want to be in it this is what it is yeah so I was like yeah I'm fine with that and how was he as a dad an amazing dad he was just an amazing dad his kids were first as a family unit we always had discussions of what are we gonna do with the kids like the kids were the first part of anything we were planning in our lives it was like how is this gonna affect the kids what is the best way to do this with the kids? We were a family unit. There was another like, oh, this is a coupley thing. And this is a, it was like, okay, we're a family. And this yeah. is how we need to do our lives. Yeah. So it was great. And was there a pretty decent co-parenting relationship with their other parent? No, that no. Was, oh. that's always been a bad thing. We made a verbal agreement. This is just to set the scene. We made a verbal agreement with her that we could take the kids to the kids' Christmas party for his company. And we would take the kids a day or two early for her so she could go on her trip to Mexico or out of city. Neil ended up staying home that day because he was sick. And I guess she, I know she had texted him and called him. And he ignored it because, like, she doesn't need to know why I'm home. 
So when we went to go get the kids that night, because he hadn't answered her messages and that was disrespectful, she called the cops on us. Like for what? She called the cops on us. I don't know what she said that we were doing, but there was four cop vehicles there. And it was like, we're just trying to pick up our kids to go to the Christmas party. Yeah. And they're like, but she has, and she was waving the parenting order. She, he doesn't have access to them till Sundays. So he can't have them. And so the cops were like, as much as your kids are crying to come with you, you really want your kids to come with you. We can't let you take them because you'll probably end up in jail. Right. And we're like, okay, we just gave up because oh, the cops were so like, there, there's no, re there, we can't force anything so that was like my first drastic event with her and there's many more so it was never the co-parenting was never a good thing yeah it's hard it's like you know, you think when people have kids together you hope that even if things don't work out it takes a lot of work from both parties to have I think a good co-parenting relationship yeah we'd always end up with like, the first two days of having them back was always an adjustment it was never a smooth transition. It was always an adjustment. And then we'd finally get them back to the way they normally were with us. And they'd have to go back. And we deal with that trauma process every week. Oh, so. That's so hard. So Neil died by suicide. Where did the downward part start for him with his mental health and some of the struggles he had? So we had been dealing with court with her to get the divorce finalized for three years. And we had a lawyer who wasn't at this point, like in hindsight, we should have fired her way earlier than we did. So then we met with other lawyers. We started looking around and shopping for other lawyers. And when we met the lawyer that we chose to go with, how he had said things and pretty much told us like everything your other lawyer has said is not gonna happen where you thought you were okay and it wasn't risked she's wrong so then it became a lot of struggling with learning that we were screwed either way we weren't gonna get out of this in a good situation was it and, mostly for the divorce or was it more custody yeah custody wise because she wanted to up and uproot the kids and move to Drumheller and thought that she was pushing for full custody so she could do that. And we said, we'll quit our jobs and go work at McDonald's before we ever give up 50-50 custody. But with our process and how we were dealing with all the court stuff, she was getting away with shit. She was getting away with things that no normal human should get away with. So we had that reality check with the lawyer and we were going to end up in bankruptcy have to deal with not losing our kids because we would have moved we would have moved and worked at mcdonald's but that like having to break down our entire situation just because the courts would favor her yeah re really got on him and the idea of having bankruptcy it just destroyed him mentally and i knew he was struggling because we were both struggling with that whole situation but when i asked questions about it he'd never go further then she was fighting us on a divorce because if she couldn't be happy she wasn't going to let us be happy right and they kept telling us let's deal with the divorce the custody thing first and deal with the divorce later and to make her happy 
the first lawyer said, we're not going to push for Desiree to be on the parenting stuff or anything like that because we know it's just going to piss her off. So I wasn't on any of the paperwork, even though it was us in court. And we had a meeting with social services here because we had to take her to social services. And she had such a fit that I was in the room that the social worker asked me to leave the room just so that they could actually start the meeting. Oh, God. And you were so involved in their lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I sat out in the hall because she wouldn't calm down either way. Yeah. So it got complicated. And he just couldn't see an end where we would be free of her. And his thing he always said was, we've got this many years to meet. And I think it just thought to him, he just couldn't. He didn't see us being able to ever have a positive interaction with her anymore. Right. And for 14 more years of it, I don't think he thought we could survive 14 more years of her. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Did he have a history of depression or mental health issues? He never had said that he did. But when he, when I talked to his mom after, it was more of a, we thought it would happen sooner kind of thing. Wow. So it was a little hard to hear that because he had never been like that the entire time we had been together. I guess there had been at some point in his teenage years that it had been a concern before. It's hard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. There's nothing to be said to to make it okay. Oh, no. Just putting that awareness out and having people willing to talk about it. Because yeah. it is one of those, oh, he died by that. Oh, let's not talk about it. It's not like yeah. when you're like, oh, he died by cancer. So, okay. There's really good research out in it. Yeah. It's never that. Yeah, but- we need to strip away the shame and secrecy around it because... You know, it, it's never going to get better for people and we're never going to get better as a society if we don't talk about it. Yeah. And that's how I feel about it, too. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit and give like any <laughs> detail or not that you want about what happened the day that he died? Yeah. So I'm in EMDR therapy because my mind has literally blocked out a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But I did come home. I had found him and my friend was with me and she called 911. The only thing I remember is that the cops dragging me away from him. And then my dad and mom came and they shoved me in the vehicle and took me away to their house. And at that time, I wasn't on good terms with my family. I'm still really not on good terms with my family. And they pretty much trapped me at their house for two weeks. Was their intention to protect you or? I don't know. Their intentions definitely came across skewed. I think it was a protection thing, but at the same point, like the day after my mom was watching a soap where they, soaps, when they die and come back and die and come back, it's a thing in soaps. She's watching that and come watch the soap with me. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Read the room. Yeah. And my dad definitely took the, I can't believe he's so selfish route. So 
Like, it wasn't a good scenario to be in. And had you talked to him that day? Like, why were you out? I just had, I went and handed candy out at my friend's house because for Halloween, because we don't get trick-or-treaters where we're at. And I was just coming home. I was just coming. And so I didn't know what I was coming home to, that's for sure. Yeah, like you weren't expecting it, obviously. No, and uh, doing CPR and stuff like that was hard. Yeah. And then I had to renew my first aid maybe within the first four months oh wow yeah so well, that was a little bit trauma and trigger yeah <laughs> that was a little bit hard was yeah doing the first aid course but it was a small class so I told like the instructor knew so he was like you just need to leave just yeah it's okay <laughs> so it's yeah. interesting it's it, it's funny where trauma stored in your body yeah and have you found the EMDR helpful? I've heard amazing things about it. Yeah, I've been in it for two years now or over a year now. And I find it very helpful. I use it more for my childhood trauma stuff because we had to, because everything's connected. We had yeah. to start at the beginning and work our way through. So it's been a long process, but. Right. It's so helpful. And all my widow pages, if somebody says something about that, I'm like, EMDR, 100%. Yeah. I said, and if the first couple don't feel right, tell them to try something else. Because the EMDR is pretty much what saved my life. Wow. You said you were at your family's house for two weeks. So did you plan the funeral? Did you, and what was it like going back home? It was a little bit complicated with the funeral because his parents, were in the states when it happened so that and it was covid time so they still had to get home and his ex-wife was forcing herself in there so there's four different sets of government rules that you have to listen to and because they hadn't been separated for more than six years she was able to get the death certificates rewritten with her as the next of kin that's awful why would she want that just as like a power play Yeah, because she did that, my in-laws couldn't even pick up his ashes without written consent from her. But she wasn't going to drive to Edmonton and get them because that is too inconvenient. So she made that a living hell. She was convinced that she should talk at the funeral. And my father-in-law was like, no, not happening. Up until the day of the funeral, she was convinced that she needed to be involved on talking at the funeral and all of us were like no not happening so it was a lot of trying to keep her happy because she could stonewall everything so it ended up being very stressful and it was three weeks after because my in-laws had to get back in the country and then do their quarantine and all that and then like his parents had to drive up from calgary that ironically his funeral is the last day i actually seen the kids Oh, so they were at the funeral? Yeah, but that was literally the last time I seen this, seen our kids. And was there, like, you have no legal rights to them, even though you had been in their life for two years as an integral part of... Yeah, because I was not on any of the paperwork. Did you try to communicate with their mom? It got to the point where she just kept attacking me so my father-in-law stepped in and said if you need any information from Desiree you come to me so he stepped in and he made sure that he was in between us 
I was sending them cards and presents in the mail for their things that we always celebrated. And then as soon as court was over, because court was a long process, everything got returned to sender. So she wasn't even giving them to the kids? No. So I've stopped sending things in the mail, but I still do it. I just put it to the side and wait for the day that I actually can talk to them without their mother being involved. How old are they both today? Seven and 13. Wow. And that's such a heartbreaking, like the kids have already suffered such a trauma by losing a parent. And then the secondary trauma of now losing access to the other adult that was so involved in their Like I always say, they didn't just lose one parent that day. They lost two. Yeah. And I deal with it like where I'm grieving someone who's not actually dead. They're probably dealing with the same thing where they're grieving this loss and this person's not dead. Right. So it's its own weird scenario. And do they still live in town, like within the area? Yeah. Yeah. They still live in town. But I've run into them once. I don't try to run into her. So I like, I'm very conscious of like who's in the parking lot, where, when I go into a store, because I just don't want to deal with that scenario. For the longest time, she was stalking my house and stuff like that. So what was like, why? To see if I had moved anything while court was being dealt with and stuff like that. Her first question out of her mouth was whose names on the on our house oh like she wanted something oh yeah her going through court she was suing me for every cent of the estate and everything it's complicated court took a long time death is already complicated to add in that layer feels impossible yeah so court's done with now i feel a little bit more comfortable talking about it so it's been two and a half years Mm -hmm. And what does healing look like for you? You're doing EMDR. How do you move on from that? The one thing that we always say in the widow groups and stuff like that is move forward instead of Mm. moving on. But the person I am today is very different from the person I was before he died. It's not better or worse or what. It's just very different. And so I've gotten more involved in community. So I'm the vice president of our Humane Society here. Oh, amazing. Is that how you ended up with two kittens? Yeah. And I usually have one or two fosters here as well. Oh, wow. But because my kittens were recovering from surgery, I haven't taken any fosters quite yet. Yeah. Again. And then so I've got that. And then I'm on a couple other boards in the town so that I could force myself to leave my house kind of thing. Yeah. Because I definitely became more of a shut-in. And so I do a lot of community involvement stuff now, and I got really sick. So I've been dealing with some health problems, but around the men with that, I ended up on bed rest all summer. Oh, God. That's the worst in the summer. Yeah. From June till mid-November, I was on bed rest. Oh. So I missed all of summer. I missed my gardening and everything, but. I'm definitely, my house is more messy, a little bit more chaotic. He was more of the meticulous dishes have to be done right after supper. So some of that's gotten worse than I was before I met him, but I'm slowly getting there with lowering the amount of chaos that I 
ensue in my life. And because it was a death by suicide, I didn't really have like through our friends and that I have dissipated when he died because they were families. He was friends with the dad. I was friends with the mom. Our kids are the same age. I don't know if it was because they didn't want to have to explain to the kids what I didn't have the kids, but I found a lot of them dissipated and are just not available anymore. So I found an online widow community. That's how I found you was through when you were on Widow We Do Now. I was like, oh, God, they're in Alberta. Yeah, that's such a great podcast for anybody. But for the widow community, they do some phenomenal work. Yeah. So I found my online community. So it's been great. And then a small group of us just started some peer support. So we created a new Facebook page and we do weekly peer run Zoom meetings. Yeah. There was some ladies that did it before, but they passed the baton to a few new. They're further out than us, but we're further out than fresh widows. So we're taking it on now as a resource for other widows in the community. What an amazing service or act of love. You can connect with people who have similar experiences because I imagine it's a really lonely place. Oh, yes, it is. And then when you put death specific stuff on it it can be extra lonely so we've created a space that's good for everybody and anyone that needs it that's amazing and like we said at the beginning i think the more that we talk about these really hard things the less in the shadows it feels and more people maybe hopefully will feel comfortable talking about it and even if they haven't experienced it having conversations with their friends that have is there anything you wish people would have said to you or would say to you is there anything you wish more people talked about or knew about i definitely wish more people would talk about what it's like to be left with that mark on you because i'm not only the widow i'm the widow by suicide it was his choice but it wasn't my yeah that is it sounds so why are you putting that on me And I wish people wouldn't say, how did he do it? Oh, you obviously didn't need to know. Yeah. And I definitely have pushed for, there's a program called Heads Up Guys, our guys, something. I think it's Canadian, but it's all about guys and mental health. And it gives resources for for men specifically in regards to that. So I've definitely been pushing for like that because it is there's such a societal structure of a man cannot show weakness on any level mental health is mental health and so i've been definitely trying to be more of an advocate for that and just trying to be more involved in everything that's amazing i'm so thankful that you felt comfortable reaching out and sharing your story and neil's story because we don't talk about it enough it's not one of those things that people want to talk about per se because there is a lot of judgment that comes along with it he was your spouse how did you not know he was your spouse what did you do and you're just like where are these coming from yeah like where did people get these notions it's like oh your husband died from cancer what did you do to give him cancer yeah yeah exactly what what did you feed him (laughs) but it sounds ridiculous when you talk about it from another death perspective yeah thank you so much i know problem these conversations aren't easy and i appreciate when somebody's open to being vulnerable and talking about it i can't say it enough 
Oh, for sure. I greatly appreciate the time and the space. And now you've got two ninja kittens that you've got to... Wrangle? Yeah, wrangle up. With my other cat and my two dogs. Oh, my God. I definitely went the animal route in healing. I'm going to yeah, make I... sure all the animals that can't talk for themselves are taken care of. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Like, what a great cause to pour effort into. That's beautiful. Yes, for sure. I greatly appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I hope you found our conversation informative and entertaining. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to follow me on social media, share this podcast with your friends, and leave a review at ratethispodcast.com slash I did not sign up for this. Your support means the world to me. If you want more interviews, exclusive content, and ad-free episodes, join the Patreon at patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this. I hope you all have a fantastic week ahead, and we'll talk soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey there, welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay and I'm joined by my co-host and real life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off the cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a lighthearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap.